Welcome to Business Conversations with your host, business strategist, Clive Enever. Clive is joined by expert guests as they talk business behind the scenes to give you the tools and insights to support your growth, security, and serenity as you strive for your success. Welcome to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enever. I am Clive Enever, business strategist, and we're having a conversation with Karma Levine about social media marketing. Now, Karma is a social media marketer specialising in strategy and training. She's been published as a Facebook ad buying subject matter expert in social media examiner and is also a university affiliate to Edith Cowan University. Hello and welcome, Karma. Hello, Clive. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. That's an absolute pleasure. And the biggest pleasure of all, of course, is that social media marketing is something that confuses a whole bunch of people because it's not just putting up a photo of myself saying woohoo I'm having a good time. That's right it used to be a lot easier to get attention on social media with a quick little photo saying that you are having a good time but I think that we all know that in 2020 it's a lot harder than it used to be to get attention on your business account such as your Facebook page or even LinkedIn these days so That's what I like to talk to business owners about is how to break through the noise and to actually get their their messages out there to the people that need to hear them. Yes, well, we see that there are millions of people signing up almost every day. Don't hold me to my numbers. But (laughs) there appears to be an enormous amount of information out there and, as you say, cutting through, getting the message out is something that people need to do. Otherwise, they might be wasting their time. Would that be right? Well, that's right. And I think that it's important to note that social media marketing and social media in general is not like any of the other advertising platforms where they're very much you pay to place your message and it has to be very short and very direct. Whereas social media as a platform is naturally for relationships and communities and sharing. And so it definitely can sell things and it definitely can affect and improve your business bottom line. But the way you go about it is different to, say, putting an ad in a newspaper or running an ad on Google. So it's you need to really have that, that human element and always keep your audience first so that the content that you're making actually is for them and about them and champions them rather than being self-serving or a lot of businesses, I think, lose sight of of who they're making their content for. So that's a really a really good thing to keep in mind as far as making content goes. It's kind of like social media is a bit like dating. You know, you wouldn't walk straight up into a bar and ask someone to marry you because that's not going to work out very well. And that's kind of like how advertising works in the sense of billboard or an ad in the paper. You're kind of asking for the marriage, for the conversion straight up. And that's all fine because we're all on board with that being a transaction. But when it comes to social media, because it is more about the community and the conversation, that's it's not a natural progression of how you would ask things. So you've got to get to know people and let them get to know you and sort of woo them a little bit. And that's why there's such a difference between the kind of content that you want to put on your organic social media posts as opposed to what you're going to do on the paid side. So I like to explain to businesses that I think of those as two almost separate strategies 
And the things that you post organically on your Facebook page, for example, and the things that you have as on the paid side as ads, not necessarily the same. And so I like to make sure that clients that I work with understand that the organic side of Facebook is to build your community and for people to understand what your business stands for and what it's about and who your team is and get to know you. And then asking for the sale is much better left to the paid side when you can target it more strategically at people who've performed certain actions like clicked through to your website or have already, you know, indicated that they might be interested in marrying you. So it really is about the relationship, letting people know who you are and therefore everything that one puts on your social media is going to have an influence on whether or not they like you. That's right. And I think a lot of people are scared to be themselves in case people don't like them. But at the end of the day, I think that's going to make you more attractive to the people who do like you. I was saying to a client the other day that they were worried about their closest competitor and I said to them, Coke and Pepsi still exist. They're both still here. People have a preference but it doesn't mean that the other brand can't still run a perfectly profitable and successful business. I don't think anyone would say that Pepsi was an underdog, even though they might not be the preferred choice. Then there's the Pepsi fans, you know, who are staunch defenders. So it really depends. I think it's important to put that your uniqueness forward, but not be too worried about, oh, no, what will people think? Because it will attract the right people to your brands and make them feel more fiercely loyal to you because you're like them and you get them and you understand them and they understand you. Whereas if you're a bit sort of wishy-washy, people have got nothing to cling on to. And I think it's important to remember that people do choose brands and choose to purchase emotionally. Not all of it's rational. Most of it isn't. So they can't have any feelings about you as a brand if you don't have any brand personality or brand presence. So I think stop hiding and tell people what you're about. Tell people what you stand for and and that's either going to resonate with them or it isn't and maybe then they weren't your customers anyway. No, and I agree absolutely with that approach. And you mentioned a couple of major drinks there, which of course have a very long history, each of them, and each is doing very, very well. But another example would be, of course, motor cars. We don't have one brand of motor car and I don't know exactly how many are available in Australia other than there's a heck of a lot. And within each brand, there's a whole bunch of different versions. That's right. I agree entirely. It's about putting yourself out there for what you are, not for what you might be if you thought it might work differently. (laughs) The thing is when people are putting out a perception of what they think they should be is that most people can pick up that it's not genuine And even if you do a really good job of it in the beginning, it's really hard to keep that going. So I think when that does or if that does become unravelled, people feel really upset that they've been duped by, by that. So it's much easier to have the brand strategy of being who you actually are, let alone I think is a good strategy regardless. I think it's actually just logistically easier as well. Marrying for the wrong reasons is not a good thing, eh? Well, that's right. I mean, I think that most marketers can appreciate that it costs more to attract a new customer than it does to retain one. The general consensus, again, don't 
pull me on my maths either. But I, I'm pretty sure the figure is five times. I think it's five times more expensive to attract a new customer than it is to retain a current one. So if you think about that, you don't want to just make the sale. You know, you don't want to just have the wedding. You want to stay happily married for the rest of your life. That's the goal. So marrying people for the wrong reasons is result in a divorce at some point. <laughs> and brands don't want divorce. Anyone no, indeed. Do. And, and that's the thing. If you're able to attract a customer, ideally you want to be able to work with that customer for the longer term and they will do that if indeed they have been attracted for the right reasons. So That's right. Quite right. In business, it's important to look at the bottom line, but what contributes most to the bottom line is what you started with, isn't it? Yes. Yep. And I think that it's really important to understand that the social media platforms all integrate this content algorithmically. And so when people are indicating to the algorithms that what they've seen interests them by liking or sharing or commenting or tagging a friend, that's feeding this machine learning that's letting Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram or whichever platform it is that you've chosen to use, it's letting the platforms know that content is considered quality. So if that's quality content because people have enjoyed it, then they'll be inclined to show that to more people. And so you really need to keep in mind who your audience is and what you're attracting them to so that you can put out the right content that does get picked up by the right people, that does inspire them to interact with it in some way so that feeding the platform's learning that that's who you're after and that's what actions they make so that you can not only see that in your analytics that that was successful content and, and continue to make more of similar types of content, but the algorithms know what people you're looking for and they can show it to more of those kinds of people. And that's why the better that your organic social media performs, the better your ads perform because it's already got that data on who these people are who are interacting with you and becoming part of your community and checking in with you on a regular basis. And then when you send out paid messages that are targeted to specific groups, it knows the subsets of those groups of people that are most likely to respond to your content as well. So that's why it's sort of two halves of the same whole, but then they need slightly different strategies within that to really maximise what you're doing on your social media from a business perspective. And essentially that's simply an extension of what used to happen before this social media thingy appeared. Didn't we, as business people, having done business with somebody, ask them to refer their friends? Absolutely. Yeah. And now it's so easy. You don't even have to phone them up and find their business card. And (laughs) however, you know, we used to do it. I think it's really easy to just leave a recommendation on a Facebook page. And then if your friends go and check out that plumber or that business coach or whatever it is, then they can see that Clive has left them a five-star review and some lovely words. So they must be pretty legitimate. So it's like a referral, but that just sits on the internet forever. (laughs) (laughs) And indeed, of course, and the algorithms and what have you find more people like their friends. So it's simply multiplying it on our behalf. That's right. That's right. And that's why it's so important to keep your audience first and create content that is going to appeal to them. One of the other mistakes that I see a lot of businesses make with their organic social media posting is that it's very monotonous 
here's our latest product, this is what it does, you should buy one. And people just, they just tune out. It's so boring. You know, it's only so many times you can be asked to buy something. And if you are in the community, the organic community of a page, because you had already bought the thing, there's no reason for you to still be there because they're not offering you any value. So some of the things that organic social media can do is be a really great tool for feedback from current customers or previous customers. It can also be a really good way to test for interest in new ranges. So if you're selling blue water bottles and you might want to put in a green one, you can ask the people who bought the blue water bottles how they feel about the green one. And if the response is good, then you know that there's at least some interest. Obviously, it's not a massive focus group um, kind of situation, which you still may need to do for product development, but it's a start. It's an indication and it's from the people who have cared enough to have hung around with you in your community. So it's actually quite powerful. It's always a good thing, I think, to ask the already converted. Yes, absolutely. It's much easier to get the already converted to convert from you again than it is to find new people. So maybe they need a collection of every different colour water bottle and they've got a rainbow at home. I mean, we love collecting things as humans, don't we? So just because they bought one water bottle doesn't count them out of your future future buyers at all, I don't think. Oh, indeed. But, Karma, given your experience, what do you think is the biggest thing that businesses don't get right about social media? I actually really think it's that there's a difference between the organic and the paid side and that they're trying to sell too hard on their organic side and it's turning people off and they're not building that community. But there's also probably a second biggest thing and that's their content, is they're not making content that their audience want to see. They're making the content they think they need to make and it people aren't interested in that. It's too brand-centric and, and they're tune out. So it really comes back to being able to put out the message that is going to benefit the end client. That's right, yeah. Just articulating how, you know, why do they care? Why should they care about your message that you're putting out? What does it do for them? And flip that around and if you can make them the hero of the story in any way or articulate how it's going to make their life better or easier or make them look cooler to their friends, then that's what you need to do. And so much content is, oh, here's me. I'm a great, I don't know, salesperson and here's my track record and here's my Mercedes and this house that I'm selling. And, you know, people don't care. And not only do they not care, but there is 10,000 other salesmen producing the exact content and they're just having a Mercedes competition between them and no one outside of of that industry even watching it, I don't think. <laughs> I think the Mercedes used to have a different term, didn't it, for those sort of competitions, but let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll keep it clean. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, the end user of whatever the product or service is is typically not particularly interested in the well-being of the person who's delivering it. The Mercedes fact, measuring. They, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're really looking to you know, what's a benefit to me and who's going to provide it. That's right. And I think you've made a really good point there and who's going to provide it. I think, you know, there's sometimes thousands of competitors in your niche and a lot of them have the exact same product or the exact same service and for very similar, if not the same prices. And so, 
deciding which service or which product you're going to buy can really depend on the person behind the brand or the team behind the brand. So that's another thing that businesses should really take advantage of is is showing off their team. If you've invested in your business and hired the best talent that you've been able to attract, why don't, as a consumer, why don't I know that? Why haven't I seen them? You know, you've gone about that and made that choice to pay the extra money to attract people with the experience to your business so that they can best serve your customers. And then you don't articulate that. So nobody knows. Nobody knows how good your team is except for the people who've already dealt with them. And then, I mean, that's great, but that might just be the one thing that sways me from buying from you as opposed to your competitor. And I think especially in service businesses, you know, that they always say in in marketing that you need nine touch points to reach your conversion. I think in services, it's higher than that. I'd probably say about 15, especially things like business coaches, et cetera, because there's such a high level of trust that you need to have in that person that they can get you to where you want to go. And so just being able to articulate the choices that you make in, in your own business and why it's set up the way it is and those kind of things can be really powerful to tip people over the edge to choose you over the Indeed, next Indeed, which essentially took us back to your first point being yourself because that's actually what's going to make the difference. If you present yourself as you are, you'll attract people who appreciate that rather than thinking that in order to be unique, one has to use the word unique, (laughs) which generally doesn't work unless, of course, it's unique to you. (laughs) Yeah. I think social media managers really went for the trying to be unique thing with their titles. I'm not sure if you've spoken to many or seen many of us online, but there's a lot of ninjas, a lot of social media ninjas, a lot of social media gurus, social conversation experts. Wow. Wizards. There's some wizards. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't run across a whiz, but there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. that They're definitely, I think because it's one of those industries that's not, it blew up before we could put a structure around it. And so we're most of us who've been in the industry a while are, you know, self-taught. So there aren't any titles. There weren't any. And they said, you know, you can make up your own title. We don't know what any of these words mean. And so they went, okay, I'm going to be a ninja. <laughs> I'm not sure it's culturally appropriate. Oh, but. So it's all very well now out there on social media land. We can build our brand and we can get people to know us and if we do it right we can find people who might even like us and perhaps a few who might even trust us enough to to do business with us but can we sell on social media and how might we do it oh we absolutely can we absolutely can and it's very very powerful but you do need to be able to do it either in stages or to have that organic side of things happening first. It really does make a huge difference. But yeah, selling on social media, wow. Yeah, so these days you can put conversion pixels into your website if you have an e-commerce store. And then you can ask Facebook to find people most likely to perform that action. So if you're running a conversion campaign because you want to sell, let's go back to the example of the water bottles. If you want to sell those water bottles You put a little piece of code that tells Facebook when people have bought a water bottle on your website. And then 
it gathers all that data and it knows what type of people are most likely to buy a water bottle. And because it knows everything about us, when we make an ad that says, hey, Facebook, can you please sell me more of these water bottles? It goes, okay, yeah, sure. I know exactly who's going to buy these water bottles. You make the ad and you send it out and I will take care of the rest. And we go, thank you, Facebook. That is so great. And then we (laughs) sell all the water bottles. So, yeah, it's all about having it set up properly from a technical perspective. You've got to have all that code in place that that makes it work so that Facebook understands exactly what you're asking for it to do within the website and then it can track the journey and it knows so much about us. I mean, say there's 10,000 people who bought this water bottle and we think that they're all probably 25 to 45 and into fitness and Facebook thinks, well, actually, no, they all wear pink on Wednesdays. And we would never have thought of that as marketers, you know, because that's just the most preposterous targeting that you wouldn't be able to even reach them anyway. How do you target people who wear pink on Wednesdays? Just ridiculous. But because it knows everything about us, it goes, well, you know, maybe 75% of people who bought those water bottles were wearing pink on Wednesdays. So we'll just go look for more pink wearers and they're bound to buy more water bottles. So, so powerful as long as you have the technical side set up you've done the hard work on your organic side and you set up your ads properly and ask for the sale that's where you can ask for the sales when you're paying for the privilege so it's actually a very focused and managed process it's not hit and miss no not at all I mean yeah there are misses because you do have to test things and Facebook has so much data that focusing it on exactly what you want and tuning out all of the background noise can be a little bit difficult at first. And it's not necessarily an easy process, but once you've got that all that testing done and you've tested your creative and your audience and you've set up everything properly from a technical standpoint, you do need to do some testing and some optimizations. But once it gets to a point where your ads are making you money, the more money you put in one end, the more money you get out the other. So, yeah, I mean, it's so powerful. I couldn't even, <laughs> I can't even tell you. It's so good. Indeed. So that then tells us perhaps or gives us an indication why content is so important that we need to attract the audience so that we can then identify who of that audience is going to buy a particular product or service so that then the technical side of it can take over and find more of it. Is that how it works? That's right. I think. Your organic side of your social media is a really great place to test content because there are people who are already aware of you and they're going to respond better to certain types of imagery than others. Obviously, you have to stay on brand so that people can recognize it, but it's a really good testing ground. Anything that performs well organically on your channels will tend to perform with your target market in your advertising space. So that's a really great way of testing creative I always find as far as sales funnels go, the best way to get the cheapest and most effective top of funnel like awareness with Facebook ads is with video because it's so cheap to run and you can run a video as an ad to your target market and then people who have watched a certain percentage of the video you can send retargeting ads to. So that is say someone's watched 75% of your three-minute video 
that's quite a lot of attention that they've given you. So they're showing a quite high intent that they're interested in your product or your service or whatever the content of the video is. And so therefore can be primed in that way to move people through your sales funnel with other content. Generally find for conversions, if you're selling event tickets or products on e-commerce, that the follow-up conversion ads are usually more effective with static content. But that's once the people have already been exposed to your brand through that engaging video first. There you go. Look, this has been a most informative conversation, Karma. Thank you very much for that. Oh, but thanks. before we let you get away, mm. what is the best tip that you have received from a business conversation? The best tip I ever got in a business conversation was probably 18 years ago. And it was a boss of mine in a previous life when I worked in hospitality who told me that your best customer is your worst customer. And I sort of didn't really know what he meant at the time, but over the years, I think we learn a lot as business people from our worst customers. And I think they challenge us and they show us what's broken in our business processes and show us where our boundaries are. And I think it was just an off-the-cuff thing that he said once, or maybe it was wisdom passed down from the ages, but I will never, ever forget that. And, yeah, I think I was... Very important that we listen to all of the feedback and let's not take it too personally and get offended by it. Yeah. (laughs) It's meant to help us. (laughs) That's right, even if it's just showing you what you don't want to happen. Indeed. And, Karma, what is the top piece of advice you would like to leave listeners with today? I think the top piece of advice I'd like to leave is that social media marketing is incredibly powerful and effective for actually moving your business bottom line. And if it hasn't been for you, it's probably you've gone about it in the wrong way. So maybe have a rethink. Get the method right and it works. Absolutely. And most importantly of all, Karma, how can our listeners connect with you to start their own business conversation? So you can have a look at my website. It's www.karma.social. There's and no .com.au or anything. And with a C. Yes, it is. Yeah, C-A-R-M-A. So it's karma.social, and I like that, karma.social. That's more or less tying you into what you do, isn't it? It's a bit different, isn't it? People try and put the .com.au on the end of it, but it's just <laughs> .social. <laughs> just karma.social. Yeah. That's excellent. As I mentioned earlier, this has been a most enlightening conversation, Karma. Thank you very much for turning up and giving us some really good tips on how we might make better use of our social media. Thanks so much for having me, Clive. That's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enever. Make sure you subscribe to future episodes via your favourite podcast app. And you can find more business resources at cliveenever.com.au.